Acts chapter 26, I want to begin in verse number 13. Paul is in the middle of his uh, uh, speaking for himself. Uh, uh, Agrippa told him in verse number 1, Thou art permitted to speak for thyself. And Paul is uh, taking a stand for Christ. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, the word Christian is only used three times in your Bible. First time in Acts chapter 11, they were called Christians first at Antioch. Remember that? Amen or not? You remember that? Uh, uh, that's a, a Christian is someone that is saved by Christ. If you'll go back and read chapter 11 of the book of Acts, you'll see that uh, uh, the whole chapter is talking about people getting saved and all that. So a Christian, is, number one, is someone that is saved by Christ. The second time the word Christian is used is here in this chapter. In verse number 26, uh, uh, Agrippa says, the king says, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Almost. In verse number 28, Agrippa said unto Paul, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. That's the second time the word Christian is used. And uh, this whole chapter is Paul taking a stand for Christ. So a Christian is someone that is saved by Christ. Uh, a Christian is someone that takes a stand for Christ. And then the third time it's used is in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 16. The Bible says that you suffer as a Christian. So a Christian is someone that is saved by Christ, that stands for Christ, and suffers with Christ. You have to put all three of those definitions together, all three of those together, to get the full definition of a Christian. Well, that's where Paul's at. To the end of his ministry, he's standing before Agrippa, and he did exactly what I did to you when I walked up here. He gave his testimony. Every time I get around a group of people that I don't know, I want to tell them about how I got saved. Uh, I like to give my testimony. I like to tell people about how as a 12-year-old boy, I was invited to church. I rode a van. I'm a bus kid. Uh, I rode a van to church and uh, trusted Christ as my Savior the very first time I ever heard the gospel. And I like to tell people about that. And I'm going to tell you, the, the, one of the greatest things that you have going for you when you're witnessing to people is your personal testimony. And you ought to develop it so that you can uh, use your personal testimony to help win people to Christ. Well, here Paul is now 30 years into the ministry. He's standing before the king and he gives his personal testimony. And I want you to look at it with me here in verse number 13. The Bible says, And at midday, O king, I saw in the way a light from heaven above the brightness of the sun shining round about me and them which journeyed with me. And when we were all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And I said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, unto, uh, and he said I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. Verse 16, But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness, both of these things which thou hast seen, and of those things in which I will appear unto thee. Now this is at the end of Paul's ministry, just before uh, he's taken back to prison to be uh, martyred for the Lord. And uh, uh, here Paul is rehearsing his salvation testimony 
before the king. Let's pray and then I'll get right into the message. Father, thank you for uh, the opportunity to be here. I pray, Lord, that you'll bless our time together this morning. Lord, may I say something this morning that might give uh, one of these young people motivation to stay by the stuff. And maybe 30 years from now, Lord, uh, one of them might, uh, they'll forget me, long forgotten me and uh, uh, who I am and all that. But Lord, maybe there'll be something in the message that will help them to remember uh, why they ought to stay with Christ and stay in the ministry and continue to, uh, to serve Thee. And uh, Lord, do a work in our hearts and we'll thank You for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. As I told you, I was raised on a farm uh, when I when my dad retired from the military. We went back to the farm, and and uh, I was raised on a farm. and And uh, one of the things that I did as a farm boy is I like to go hunting, and uh, I did a lot of rabbit hunting. Uh, and I had some beagle hounds. Anybody know what a beagle hound is? Okay, little hound dog, little dog there, and they chase rabbits. And, uh, uh, and I had two beagle hounds. Their names were Frisky and Rowdy. Frisky and Rowdy. They were brothers, and they fought all the time. Uh, if you throw a piece of food in there, uh, put two piles of food. If Frisky went to one, Rowdy went to it, and he wanted Frisky's food. If uh, uh, Frisky, uh, Rowdy went in there first, then Frisky would go, and they just fought all the time because whatever one had, the other one wanted. You know what I mean? Anybody have any brothers and sisters? You know what I'm talking about. Okay. Well, they, these dogs fought all the time. Frisky and Rowdy. Well, I came home from school one day, and, uh, uh, and I walked out to the garden, and when I got right to the edge of the garden, a rabbit jumped up and ran across the yard into my grandma's yard, and behind my grandma's house was a meat house. Anybody know what a meat house is? A meat house, a little building out back behind the house where you smoke your hams and your pork chops and all that, smoke meat in there, smoke bacon, yeah, oh, it's good stuff, yeah. And uh, uh, so anyway, uh, uh, this rabbit ran under the meat house, and Frisky saw the rabbit. And when Frisky saw the rabbit, he took off after the rabbit. And he's barking, running across the yard after the rabbit. And the rabbit ran under the meat house, and Frisky starts digging under, digging at the meat house, barking. Uh, I'm not a very good barker, but uh, uh, if you ever heard a beagle hound barking, uh, buddy, I'm telling you, he was getting with it. Arr, arr, arr. He digging and digging and digging and barking and barking. And, and uh, Rowdy was laying under a tree. Uh, he didn't see the rabbit, uh, but Frisky saw it. And Frisky's barking and digging and barking and digging. And uh, Rowdy's just laying there. Frisky gets, uh, he stops and he goes over to Rowdy. And he barks at Rowdy. Will you be Rowdy for me? Yeah. Arr, arr, arr. And then all of a sudden, both of them run over to the meat house, and they both digging, digging and scratching and digging and scratching. And after a little while, Rowdy went back and laid back down. And Frisky's barking and digging, and, and he went back over to Rowdy, and he barked again. Arr, arr, and, and Rowdy took off, and they both digging and barking. And pretty soon, Rowdy went back and laid down. Frisky went back and barked that he never would come back over there. And I was thinking, I uh, wonder why Rowdy wouldn't bark and dig and help him get that rabbit out from under the meat house. When I was reading this passage about Paul, I got to thinking about Frisky and Rowdy. Why did Frisky bark and dig? And he wouldn't let up. He wouldn't quit. He wouldn't quit. Let me tell you why. He saw the rabbit. Rowdy didn't see the rabbit. 
Listen, when I was a 12-year-old boy, there was a black man came and picked me up and took me to Sunday school, and he told me about Christ. And I trusted Christ as my Savior that day. And let me tell you what happened to me. I saw a light. That's why Paul stayed in the ministry. The Bible says, I saw a light in verse number 13. What motivated Paul to stay in the ministry? He saw a light. He saw a light. He may get discouraged because uh, uh, the ministry is hard. He may got to, and maybe Frisky would get discouraged because the ground was hard, but he saw the rabbit going under the meat house, and he wasn't about to quit because he knew the rabbit was under there somewhere. And, uh, uh, and down through the years, I've called these boys that I went to Bible college with, and I've tried to encourage them to stay in the ministry. Oh, Brother Dave, I think I'm going to quit, and I'm going to resign my church. And, and I would go to those guys, and I would, sometimes I'd just, uh, I would leave my uh, church, and I'd, I'd drive for hours to go and visit with them and try to encourage them to stay in the ministry. And they'd stay in for a little while, and then they quit again. You know why? Some of them never seen the light. They didn't see the, I saw the light. That's why I'm staying in this thing. I was, listen, I was there when Jesus saved me. Amen? I know what happened. I know what happened. And there's a lot of guys, listen, there's a lot of people that come to Bible college because their mama wants them to, and they're, maybe their daddy's paying their way, and they've really never been called, but they're here. And I'm going to tell you, you need to see the light. If you'll see the light, you'll stay in this thing. I saw a light. 12-year-old boy. Let me tell you what happened to me when I got saved. God changed me. I quit being the meanest kid in town. I found a book. Somebody gave me a book. I had no friends when I was 12 years old. Nobody liked me. Except for the ones I beat up. I was 5'10 in the seventh grade. I'm 5'10 today. I had two goals in life, one to be 6'2", and the other one to weigh 250, and I've reached one of my goals. <laughs> still, got, still working on the other one. I'm still 5'10". I was 5'10 when I was in the seventh grade. I grew real fast, and then I quit growing. And, well, I didn't quit growing. I started growing the other direction. You know what I mean? And I was, uh, I was a bully. I'd just grab kids and beat them up, take their lunch money, all that kind of stuff, you know. I was, that's the kind of kid I was. And back then, uh, kids didn't cry bully all the time. Every time something like that happened to them, they would deal with it. Yeah. And by the way, I think we ought to teach our kids to deal with it a little bit. Amen. Now, I'm not for bullying, but I think uh, sometimes uh, instead of giving kids coping skills and teaching them how to deal with life when it throws a... Uh, monkey wrench at them. Uh, we uh, coddle them too much. Say amen. amen. Thank you. <laughs> I was a bully. And uh, somebody gave me a book is how to win friends and influence people. So I started reading that book when I was 12 years old. And, uh, and I started applying some of the principles in that book. Now, I don't know if uh, I changed because, well, I know now, but I used to think that I changed because I started reading that book. 
But I found out later I really changed because the Lord saved me and He changed me. I didn't have a desire to be mean anymore. And I thought it was because I learned all that neat stuff from that book. And all of a sudden, I became one of the popular kids in school. Yeah. Y'all don't even believe that, do you? <laughs> well, I played baseball. I was uh, uh, on the... Uh, uh, athletics, you know. I mean, all the athletes are popular kids. And I was a popular kid because I played ball. And my dad drove the school bus, and uh, he drove for the basketball team. So I went up to all the basketball games, and and uh, I became a very popular kid in school. And I was a good Christian kid in school. I was in church when every every time the doors were open. I did it because I. There were a lot of girls there, but I was accidentally learning a lot about the Lord and about how to be a good Christian. Accidentally. I wasn't doing it on purpose. I wasn't reading my Bible or any of that kind of stuff. I mean, you don't do that unless you're real serious about this thing, right? I'd never surrendered to the Lord, but I'd gotten saved. I saw a light. And then, in verse number 14, the Bible says, in verse number 14... And when we were all fallen to the earth, number two, I heard a voice. I heard a voice. That voice said, Saul, Saul. Let me tell you something that happened to me. When I was turned 18, I went in the military. I stopped going to church because I could meet girls. I didn't have to go to church to meet girls now. And my dad wasn't telling me where to go and what to do. So I quit going to church. I started drinking and smoking and smoking dope and all those things that everybody does when you're in the military and you're not trying to serve the Lord. I started doing all those things. And I, uh, I came out here, as a matter of fact, I was stationed in Fort Polk, Louisiana, and I came out here to the National Training Center in Fort Irwin. And I sobered up out here. I hadn't had anything to drink in a couple weeks and I got to thinking about my career in the military and uh, thinking about the fact that I was, get, I was getting in trouble. I go into work in the morning and with beer on my breath and my platoon sergeant said something to me about it and, and uh, I got to thinking about uh, me losing my military career and my wife and I were having all kinds of problems. We'd been married five years and they were the five most miserable years of my life. First three months was pretty good, but after that it got really bad. And uh, I was about to lose my family, lose my military career, and I climbed up on a rock out in the middle of the Mojave Desert out here, and I said, Lord, I've made a total mess of my life, and if you can fix it, I'll give you my life. I'll surrender everything to you. I'll do what you want me to do. I'll get back in church. And So I rededicate my life to the Lord. And I started praying for my wife that day because my wife's dad was a Church of God a Prophecy evangelist. And her mom was a Catholic. And when uh, we got married, I got my Bible out one time. I was reading in my Bible and she threatened to leave me over me reading the Bible. So I said, well, I don't know. I'll just put my Bible up. I won't read it anymore. And I knew that when I got right with the Lord, my wife was probably going to be upset about that. So I started praying for her. Well, when I got home to Louisiana from out here, when I got home, I found out on Saturday when I got there, 
we embraced when I got to the door and I said, we're going to church tomorrow. And she just melted. She started crying. She said, I got saved about two weeks ago. Watching the 700 Club on television. I said, we're going to church tomorrow. She said, what kind of church are we going to? I said, we're going to a Baptist church. She said, why Baptist? I said, a Baptist got me saved and a Baptist got you saved. The Pentecostals and the, uh, and the Catholics don't care whether we're going to hell or not, but the Baptists did, so we're going to a Baptist church. So I put on my best blue jeans and flannel shirt. My wife put on her best blue jeans and flannel shirt, and we headed for church. I pulled into a little churchyard, beautiful little church, brick church, and everybody that went in the church was wearing a suit, and all the women were pretty cotton dresses, and I told Jan, I said, we ain't going there. So I turned around, head back to the house, and on the way back to the house, I looked down in the holler. Y'all know what a holler is, right? Okay. I know y'all are from, uh, uh, well, not, not all of you, but out here, they don't have hollers, I guess. But anyway, uh, I looked down in the holler, and there was, a, there was an old uh, army barracks that had been converted into a church building, and there was a guy going in the church building that had on exactly the same flannel shirt that I had on. <laughs> I said, that's where we're going to church. So we went to church there for a while. I went about three times and quit. The guy, the pastor, come to visit. He said, hey, uh, we're enjoying you coming, coming to church and want to know uh, why you're not coming, why didn't you come back? And I said, well, I'll be honest with you. It's about as boring as, as it could possibly be. I said, you're not supposed to lie to a preacher, right? I said, if I want to take a nap, I might as well stay home. I said, I ain't coming back to your church. It's too boring. And he said, well, I'm sorry you feel that way. Well, about two or three weeks later, the guy uh, resigned the church, and they went and got another preacher. They said, they came and visited my wife. I was out in the field, and they said, I think your husband's going to really like this guy. He's a fireball. So when I got back from the field, I went to church to hear this fireball, and he was. He was a fireball. He'd preach and shout and run and all that kind of stuff. He would, his doctrine was way off, but <laughs> he was preaching one time, just screaming and hollering, and he said, uh, the Bible says that Paul wasn't even an apostle. I'm not an apostle. And he preached about how Paul wasn't an apostle. I mean, fiery, man. I mean, he looks good. Oh, it's good. And then he said, uh, and Paul wasn't even a Hebrew. Paul said, I'm not a Hebrew. And uh, there was a lady in the church raised her hand, and she said, uh, he called on her. And by the way, if you raise your hand while I'm preaching, I ain't calling on you. But, uh, <laughs> but he called on her, and she said, uh, Pastor, I think it says, am I not a Hebrew, and am I not an apostle? And he said, that's right, Paul was an apostle. And he took off about how Paul was an apostle. He had a lot of fire. I found out a long time ago that uh, you may have a lot of fire, but if what you're saying is not true, then it doesn't really matter. But anyway, uh, when I was out there in the Mojave Desert, I surrendered to the Lord. And when I surrendered to the Lord, He called me to preach. 
Well, I didn't want to preach. I didn't want to get out of the army. But like Paul, it was hard to kick against the pricks. I couldn't, I couldn't fight it off. I re-enlisted for six years and volunteered to go to Germany, hoping that God couldn't find me there. And when the Lord broke my foot, I told him on the way to the ground, don't break anything else. I'll quit. I'll get out of the army. I was hurting. I'm allergic to pain. I don't know some of y'all like pain. but So what kept Paul motivated? Number one, he saw a light. Number two, he heard a voice. You know, uh, when I heard that voice of the Lord calling me to preach, I couldn't get away from it. I couldn't get away. It's like it didn't matter where I went. I told everybody, oh, you're going to be a preacher. I said, no, I'm not going to be a preacher. I'm not going to be a preacher. I'm going to teach comparative religion at Louisville Seminary when I retire from the Army. Yeah, Walter Martin did it at Dallas, and I would be the Walter Martin of Louisville. So I started studying comparative religion. I read all of those boring books about the Catholics and the Mormons and the Jehovah Witnesses and Christian science and all that cult stuff. But I couldn't get away from that voice that I heard. I heard a voice. I heard the Lord say, you're going to be a pastor. I couldn't get away from it. Went to Germany and while I was in church in Germany, the pastor was preaching and I could not get away from that call. I decided I wasn't going to go forward. I know God was calling me. There was a man in our church that he's now my song leader. He was a song leader at our church there in Germany, a retired army guy. And I could feel the guy pushing me on the back. And he pushed so hard that I had to take a step forward. When I did, I decided I'd just go up to the altar and pray. And so I, when I got up to the altar, the whole altar was full. The pastor said, if the altar's full, come on up on the platform. So I came, I walked right up on the platform. He stuck his hand out. I shook his hand and said, God's called me to preach. And as soon as I said that, I thought I was going to throw up all over the platform. That was not my intention. I wasn't going to tell anybody that. But I couldn't get away from the voice that I heard. I heard the Lord calling me. I heard a voice. And every time I think about quitting, every time I think about resigning my church, and every time I, I've thought down through the years about leaving the, the ministry, I can't get away from that voice that keeps telling me, I called you, I need you to be a pastor. And then let me give you this last thought. I'm supposed to be done here. and You said that clock's a little fast, so amen. <laughs> Let me give you this last thought. In verse number 16, the Bible says, But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness, both of these things which thou hast seen, and of those things in which I will appear unto thee. What kept Paul motivated? Number one, he saw a light. Number two, he heard a voice. And number three, he had a purpose. He had a purpose. I have a purpose. Let me tell you what the purpose is, me being in the ministry. God called me. It's a high calling. It's not daddy didn't call me. 
My pastor didn't call me. The Lord Jesus called me to preach. The Lord Jesus called me to this ministry. It's a high calling. It's one of those kind of callings that you just can't quit. You can't quit. I raised my kids, my two daughters, to not quit things. I hate quitters. I hate quitters. Oh, bro, Dave, not supposed to hate anybody. Well, pray for me, okay? I hate quitters. I think if you start something, you ought to finish it. Amen. Amen. Well, I started this thing about 30 years ago, and I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to quit. Everybody else can quit, but I'm not going to quit. Why? Because there's a purpose to what I'm doing. Hey, let me tell you something. I might have lost uh, seven or eight families already this year in our church to the military moving them out. And, uh, and we haven't replaced them all yet. And, and uh, there's some discouragement that goes along with that. But I'm not going to quit. I'm going to keep at this thing. I'm not quitting. Why? Because there's a purpose to what I'm doing. We're seeing people saved every week. Every week of our ministry, we're seeing people saved. 15, 20 visitors every Sunday in our church. And we'll have uh, two or three young soldiers come forward in every service and trust Christ as their Savior. And we're out door knocking and we're winning soldiers to the Lord every week in our church. And we'll have 80 or 90 people that go out door knocking on Saturday. And, and we've got uh, two buses and three vans and they're all picking up kids and we're winning people to Christ. And I'm going to tell you something. God has given me a purpose for what I'm doing. I can't quit. I can't quit. I get discouraged sometimes. When I get discouraged, I, I think about quitting. And then I get a text from Brother Mike Norris. I get a text from Paul Chappell. Or I get a text from Tim Rabin. Or I get a text from one of these guys saying, uh, praying for you, Brother Dave. I text them. I've got... Uh, I don't know, I've probably got 500 preachers in my phone uh, directory in my phone. And every Sunday morning I scroll through them and I pray for these guys. And every once in a while, Lord, lay one of them on my heart and I'll send them a text and say, Hey, I'm praying for you this morning, brother. I've texted Brother Chapel probably, I don't know, it's been a couple weeks since I texted him. And immediately he texted me back. You guys are two hours behind us. And I'm in my office like at 5 o'clock in the morning, 5 or 6 o'clock in the morning. I'm texting Paul Chapel, thinking when he gets up, he'll get it. And he'll text me right back and say, thanks, Brother Dave. I was up praying, feeling a little discouraged this morning. I was up praying, and you don't know how much your text meant to me. Hey, let me tell you something, folks. God has given me a purpose for what I'm doing. And I'm not going to quit. And there's some of you, a year from now, you won't be here. You won't be in the ministry. Two years from now, others of you won't be. Five years, ten years, some of you won't be here. And the reason for it is because you've not found something that will motivate you to not quit. And I'm hoping that maybe something in Paul's life will be the thing to motivate you. Let's all stand. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Everybody please bow your head, close your eyes, no one looking. Maybe, maybe something that was said this morning gave you a little motivation. I don't know. 
I hope that it did. That's been my prayer for the last two months when uh, Brother Chapel called and asked me to come and speak in chapel here. I, I've been praying that God would give me something that would touch your hearts and help to keep you motivated to stay by the stuff and not quit. And maybe God said something to you this morning. Maybe God spoke to you this morning. If he did, why don't you find an altar? Why don't you make your way down here? And just do business with the Lord this morning. Lord, I'm not going to quit. I've heard the voice. I've heard the call. I saw the light. And I know there's a purpose for what you've called me for. And I'm not quitting. Won't you come this morning? Won't you come? I'm going to turn the service back over. And, but I want you to, listen, I want you to... to to take the message that God has given us this morning and let it burn in your hearts so that you won't quit one day. You'll stay by it.